What will it take to shatter systemic barriers obstructing timely and equitable pediatric care? According to our next guest, Dr. Sharif Terraman, Chief Executive Officer of Cognoa, it starts with responsible AI adoption designed to uplift all patients. As creators of the first and only FDA-authorized diagnostic for autism, Cognoa continues pioneering digital health solutions, upholding diversity, cost savings, and care team empowerment. While together, Dr. Terraman passionately shares Cognoa's mission of democratizing quality care, how their autism diagnostic is dissolving geographic and financial obstacles through telehealth accessibility, and why he urges investors to back ventures tackling pediatric device gaps, spanning ADHD, anxiety, speech impediments, and more. Join us as Dr. Terraman shares why he and his team at Cognoa are so dedicated to unlocking equitable pediatric care. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Dr. Terriman. A big welcome to our podcast today. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, given your deep expertise and passion as an innovator, inventor, and advisor in the med tech space, by achieving FDA breakthrough designation three times and de novo market authorization for a first-of-its-kind autism spectrum disorders diagnostic, I'm looking forward to what I know is going to be an exciting conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Sharif, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Cognoa team are building a suite of digital solutions that are child-centric and designed to find, assess, and treat developmental concerns early and within the time windows that will yield the optimal outcomes. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Thank you, Mike. I mentor a lot of students and a lot of individuals who are trying to change healthcare. I think the biggest advice that I think I can espouse to them is really keep your sales open to catch opportunities. And I think there's opportunities all the time to make healthcare better. There's so much dysfunction. There's so many opportunities to make, and that's even outside of healthcare. But I think it's really just keep your sales open, keep opportunities open, and don't be afraid to take them take those opportunities because they really will have the potential to change and change the status quo for meaningful things for people. So opportunities there, be open to it. I could agree more. And and especially the time that we're in right now, uh, Sharif, right? uh, You know, we all lived through COVID and that was a life altering event on a global scale. But as I like to mention to folks uh, that, you know, again, so what you just said, taking that opportunity to keep those sales open to see what may come of new ideas and new ways of doing business and changing healthcare. COVID presented a lot of phoenixes rising from those ashes to do exactly what you just mentioned. And for all of us to keep those eyes open, keep the mind open and nimble, to be able to look and explore new ways. Because I think right now we're seeing, and we're going to talk more about what you and the team are up to, we're seeing innovation happening at a much more rapid pace. We saw the proverbial telehealth genie come out of the bottle. 
after COVID. It was amazing when, you know, being in the space, Sharif, we would see sometimes it would take, you know, six to nine months to have a meeting to potentially do one pilot for a telehealth clinic at, you know, in one facility. Now during COVID, we saw it just explode in regards to adopting those technologies. So I think also too, Sharif, over the past number of years, I think a lot of folks, leaders in the industry are now having that open mind of that art is possible. Is this also something that you and the team at Cognoa are embracing in regards to what is the art of possible? Keep your sales open. You may think that as well, or you believe that and advise that to some of your other folks, but is this something that you and the team also really kind of adhere to or put in place at the organization? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to your point, what we saw happen during COVID, I think is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I think it's kind of like being at the right place at the right time, right? And back to that sort of opportunity when it presents itself, you've got to be able to latch on to it. You know, we're at a state of, you know, significant workforce shortages in all areas healthcare related, specifically around pediatrics and pediatric subspecialties. That's the area that we're operating in. For example, 80% of counties have no autism diagnostic center available. Parents are traveling thousands of miles to get their kids evaluated and waiting, you know, over a year or told there's no room. You can't even get on the wait list to get an evaluation. And we're seeing this rise of technology, artificial intelligence, noting that we were doing artificial intelligence before it was cool and sexy and trendy. But, you know, this convergence does happen at moments. And sometimes it does take something really, really forceful to move industries or sectors into a very new space. And I think, you know, we saw our mission to the moon is what drove a lot of technologies and engineering. And there was so many things that came out of that. And I think that in a weird way, this silver lining of COVID is it really focused us to say, we've got to do something about healthcare and we've got to do it now because otherwise it's not going to be able to survive in the next three to five years. Now you're spot on. And I absolutely love that. And it has created that art of the possible. We have to think new. We can't keep doing what we've been doing. We're going to discuss that. We're going to dive into you guys doing AI and artificial intelligence well before everything that we're seeing now in the headlines. We're going to talk about all of that and more of what's happening in the Cognoa camp after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Healthcare faces a paradox that echoes through generations. While the current practices that help heal patients today are vital, it is crucial to evaluate them through an environmental lens. OSHA's Responsible for Tomorrow initiative is a collection of interviews featuring influential thought leaders and industry experts like you who share their sustainability strategies, insights, and provide valuable perspectives from diverse industries to inspire innovation within the healthcare sector. OSHA invites you to join this journey. Want to share your sustainability story? OSER is actively looking for partners to highlight the important and inspiring work being done around the globe. Check out OSER's Responsible for Tomorrow initiative and series at OSER.com. That's O-S-S-U-R.com. Or visit the episode notes and click on their link. Together and with OSER helping lead the way, let's all be responsible for tomorrow. All right, we are back with Dr. Sharif Terriman, CEO of Cognoa. Sharif, thank you so much. What a great way to set the stage of this podcast. Keep those sales open. Keep the art of the possible in the kind of the front and center because things are changing rapidly. The ways of moving healthcare, uh, we have to do it differently now. We cannot continue to rely on status quo. 
uh, because look at where it has put us now. And of course, we just went through a massive uh, global event, still dealing with the aftermath of that being COVID. But I think to your point at the front end of all of this, Sharif, it has opened up the art of the possible. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the art of the possible and more importantly, not just the art of the possible, the art of reality of what you and the team at Cognola are doing, how you're moving the industry forward. Some wonderful things to talk about. But of course, before we do that, I want to discuss how you even became part of the organization in the first place. I'm sure there's a little bit of a backstory there that our community would love to hear. And then again, talk a little bit more about what's happening today in the Cognola camp, where you see things heading, and of course, how we can help you out as well. But first, Sharif, Take us back to those early moments in time when all of this came into focus and you became part of the Cognola team. I was fortunate to have become division chief of our neurology department at the major children's hospital here in Orange County, California and University of California, Irvine. And one of the things that I was tasked with was addressing this waitlist crisis that we're having, which is you know, thousands of kids waiting in line to get a developmental evaluation because there's a concern about their development. We need to make sure that it's autism or not so we can get them into the right treatments at the right time. And as division chief, I was like, okay, well, let me try and hire more people. And I faced the exact reality, which I was telling you, which is it's really hard. There's only maybe 1,500 pediatric neurologists in the whole country. Only 30 people matched into developmental pediatrics in the last match. And so you're looking at hundreds of thousands of kids with, you know, very few a specialist able to do these evaluations. And so despite actually more than doubling the number of neurologists in our division, I made zero dent in the wait list. In fact, it was an artificial number of a thousand kids. It was just, it was, they just stopped counting after that. And so at the Children's Hospital, we had an innovation team. Dr. Anthony Chang is one of my mentors and really good friends. And he was really leading the AI space. He went back to school and got a master's in you know, AI at Stanford, you know, as an adult. I mean, so I was getting into this, hey, you know what, AI can really help solve some of the problems in neurology. And so I was speaking on a panel with a founder of Cognoa, Dr. Dennis Wall, who was a Harvard professor turned Stanford professor and was actually one of Anthony's professors at the time. And he had really figured out using his background as a computational biologist, there are ways that you can leverage data and artificial intelligence to take this really broken healthcare system that's super complicated, reliant on specialists, and use AI to get that information really, really fast, really, really accurate, and get to an answer. Does this kid have autism or not? Do they have some other developmental delay? Let's get them in the treatment. So we were on this panel together. I was like, this is exactly what I need. There's no way that I'm going to hire enough neurologists ever and so I was like, hey, Dennis, can I come up to Palo Alto and like check out your lab and see what you're doing and think about how I can implement this in our neurology department and in our hospital? And then the next thing you know, I was actually, I became the chief medical officer uh, for the company because I was so passionate. This was a real problem with real challenges, with a real solution. And the other thing that was like super motivating for me was I was seeing the disparities in my practice. I was having kids in their teenage years, females, Hispanic kids, persons of color, black kids coming into my clinic who could have been evaluated and treated much, much earlier and missed out on that opportunity. Everybody's delayed, but minoritized individuals are even delayed more. And so I'm sitting there going like, why is this so broken? 
I don't understand why we're doing it this way. And that opportunity presented itself. I had my sales open and I took it. So got in as chief medical officer, helped finish, uh, you know, taking the product from kind of this early conceptual phase through the FDA, productizing it, got our FDA authorization for the first ever autism diagnostic ever. There actually was nothing before. There's no autism diagnostic that went through the FDA. And then last year, the board of directors asked me to take over as CEO and really help move the company towards commercialization because of my business background, because of my tech background, because of you know what I've done for the organization, but also just understanding like this is a new disruptive technology and it's so important that we need to get it. Somebody who understands the space is the only person that's really going to drive this thing forward. Sharif, you know, before we go to current state and you know, the elevator pitch of who Cogno is, what you guys are working on, all that good stuff, because that's going to be a important part of the conversation. I still want to go back to those moments of timing now. You're approaching almost eight years with the organization. And when you had those conversations with the good professor, and I'm sorry you had to go and visit Palo Alto, my alma mater. Hopefully it wasn't too bad of a trip, joking aside. But in all seriousness, taking it back eight-ish years ago, were you an early adopter amongst your peers of these types of technologies can help us? Or was there some of your colleagues and peers, whether it's right, wrong, or anything in between, ignorance might be too strong of a word, but people just didn't understand quite the power yet. Again, I think people are still coming to grips of the power of these types of technologies. But if we go back eight years in time, what was it like? Were you on that early adopter side of the bell curve? Were people looking at, were colleagues and peers saying, what are you talking about, Sharif? Yeah, no, I'm always on that. Actually, I'm ahead of the early adopters. I'm like on the bleeding edge of innovators. So again, you know, back to this point of, you know, sometimes it takes a pandemic or it takes like, we need to get to the moon, you know, something that's really kind of this moonshot idea or just something super pressing to sort of push innovation forward. And, you know, even though I have this tendency to be on the innovative side, you know, looking for new technologies and solutions to fix things, you know, I'm a technologist by heart. The reality is, is that it's something that we needed. It was something that was so pressing that if we didn't figure out a technological way to solve the problem, we know that it's never going to get solved. So I don't think my colleagues were looking at me like, oh, you're crazy. I think they knew, oh, hey, Sharif knows how to pick out things that are actually going to be successful. I mean, that's kind of my track record of, you know, there's a lot of people that, by the way, come to the hospital and they're trying to sell you a hammer and you're like, I don't have any nails. Sorry, I have screws here. I might need a screwdriver. But again, I think if you really take human-centered design principles, you really look for real problems in the healthcare system, and then you identify inspirations and do the design thinking and create a solution that actually addresses a real problem, whether that's AI or technology or whatever, it doesn't actually matter. Even if it's a mechanical solution, the point is, is that you designed it around a real problem for a real solution. Well, let's talk about those real problems, those real solutions. You've set the stage a bit on those issues that are of need in the marketplace. So let's talk about how Cognoa is solving for that. Let's first start. Sharif, give us that elevator pitch. You are a serial entrepreneur. I know you've been asked this many times, whether it be on stage or otherwise. Who is Cognoa? Cognoa is the leading digital health solution company for pediatrics. We have the largest database of children with neurodevelopmental disorders and behavioral conditions that has been, you know, accumulated over years. It's a proprietary data set. And again, you know, I mentioned we did AI before it was kind of cool and hip. And so, you know, we, the company was actually started back in 2013. The initial data and publications from Dennis over at Harvard 
And that was AI. That was machine learning, identifying maximally predictive features of autism versus neurodevelopmental disorders that are not autism versus neurotypical children. And the beauty of this is that you can use technology to solve the healthcare disparity question, because what we know and what's historically happened in healthcare is we don't typically recruit a variety of patients or a diverse patient set in our clinical trials, right? When we create research tools, we don't have that diversity in the patient population. And even in clinical trials, until recently, when we've started doing more distributed trials and made it much easier for people to be involved in clinical trials, you know, it's predominantly white male affluent people. And, you know, that doesn't help the equity piece that creates bias. So, you know, people do have a point to be concerned about AI propagating biases, but ultimately, you know, one of the things that Cogno is very committed to, and one of the reasons I was very attracted to the company is we've always had responsible AI. We've always had transparency and what are the inputs going into the AI? The clinician gets a ton of information, not just you know, surprise, here's a diagnosis. Um, and then because we understand these children in high dimensional space, it gives us this opportunity to really understand, you know, what is the best treatment for this child at this time? And so there's been all kinds of talk for years about personalized medicine or precision medicine. But again, this is the thing. It's just like the diversity thing. You can talk about it all you want. Show me that you actually do something about it. And I'm very proud to say that Cognola does both. It's Responsible AI, addressing diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, that's the most important thing for us. And then it's, it's not just lip service about precision medicine, right? We're building the data sites that will actually inform how do you get these kids into the right treatment at the right time to make the biggest difference in their lives? Because that difference in their life is going to be lifelong. The thing that you do now for a two-year-old is going to affect them and their family for the rest of their lives. It's so important that we get it right. So take us through a little bit, Sharif, in regard for the layperson, if you will. How does your technology interface or work with or alongside, say, a clinical care team, and then maybe even with the patients themselves? And then from there, always love, you know, we as entrepreneurs or builders of technology, we can think our piece of technology is the best thing since sliced bread. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we think, quite frankly. Always love to also hear What's the feedback been from those end users? So let's first again, for the layperson, how does this interact with clinical care teams and or patients and or both? And what has also been the feedback? Yeah. So the beauty of this is instead of a patient going to their pediatrician and going, you know, hey, I'm worried about my child's development or the pediatrician identifying something's wrong and saying, go wait in the line or travel two states over because there's no specialists here, you know, to, to get an evaluation. They literally can say, you know what? I'm going to prescribe this for you. The doctor goes into a patient portal, doesn't need to be a specialist, can be any healthcare provider. The parent gets a link, they download an application, they answer a couple of questions for us about their child's development, and then they upload videos of their child. Those videos, there is a ton of digital biomarkers that we can extract from the videos. So it's not a single marker for autism or neurodevelopmental delay. We're looking at how does the child respond to speech? What is their eye contact? Do they have what we call joint attention, which is them and whoever's interacting with them, you know, looking at the thing together versus, you know, having a separate sort of existential thing. We look for, you know, hand movements. We look at repetitive movements, stereotypic movements. So all of these features from autism are extracted from the videos, extracted from the parental or caregiver questionnaire. And then there's a brief question set for the clinician. 
the AI combines all of that instantaneously, gives you a highly predictive answer of whether this is autism or not. Our positive predictive value is 88%. In the real world, it was actually up at 95% in the most recent study that we did. Our negative predictive value is up at 96%. Keeping in mind, works across the board on that equity piece. So we didn't see in our clinical trials any differences between you know, socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, sex, which is super important. We know girls on average get diagnosed one and a half years later than their male counterparts and oftentimes are either misdiagnosed or never diagnosed until adulthood even. And so the beauty of the technology is, is that it really democratizes medicine democratizes access to high quality evaluations for neurodevelopmental and behavioral disorders without having to go to a specialist for the greatest majority of the patients. And the device has embedded in it actually a safety feature that if it can't predict with a high degree of accuracy, this child does or does not have autism, it'll actually place the child in an indeterminate category giving the clinician all the information they need to still determine what the next steps are. So regardless of whether the device can give you an answer or not, every clinician that we've heard back from is, I trust it because it doesn't lie to me. It says I don't know when it doesn't know. Super important. It works in a diverse population. And I can do all of this asynchronously. And oh, by the way, at the end of the visit, I don't have to spend three hours writing a report for this kid to get services. Because it's technology, it's AI, it, you know, it auto-generates all that documentation, which by the way, we got a bunch of doctors leaving healthcare because they're just like, I'm sick of it. I did not sign up to be a clinical data specialist entering information in electronic medical record and writing reports. There's no reason. It, all of it's there. We auto-generate everything. So it takes about five minutes to do the report on the clinician side rather than, I know because I practice medicine, I did this for a living for many years. I don't have to take hours to evaluate a kid. I can do everything in like 15 minutes. So powerful. Thank you. Sorry. There's so much cool stuff going on. (laughs) This is why I love hanging out with leaders like you on this podcast. Trust me. This podcast sometimes is more for me than anybody else. I'll be completely honest with you because of the things I get to hear and learn from is powerful, powerful stuff. Sharif, let's go to the other side of that. Let's talk about the families, the children involved, just making some assumptions. Hopefully they're wrong. The assumptions on my end are, how does the family feel about having to leverage a piece of technology to gather these inputs, video, questionnaires or otherwise? How are the children dealing with this? What has been the reaction around the technology component to help their clinicians, help their care teams get to some answers? The really cool thing about this is that we're maintaining what we call the medical home, right? So, you know, you have a primary care physician. They've known you since your kids were born. They've been following your family. So they have this really strong rapport with the family. And then they say, hey, you know what? I want you to be involved in this evaluation. So we're not disconnecting the primary doctor. We're not disconnecting the family from the evaluation. Normally, typically evaluations, you go see a stranger. I've never met you before. I'm going to try and play with your kid for two hours after they're tired from the drive to my office, which, you know, took an hour and a half or two hours to get there. They're hungry. They don't act normally. The parents are like, You know, you ask me some questions, but they're on paper. This experience is completely different. They can do it at the comfort of their home. We're not asking them to fill out like hours of paperwork, which by the way, most specialty clinics, you can't even get an appointment until you do eight hours worth of paperwork answering questions. So the experience for the families is completely different. 
they're engaged, they're part of the process. And so what we've seen and what the clinicians that are using it are telling us is like, and the families too, I felt empowered. I was part of the process. I got to pick the videos that are most representative of my child for you to see. It's not some fake thing where they're, you're trying to get them to play with some toys in a clinic and a specialty thing where they're freaking out thinking they're going to get like an immunization or something like, you know, it's just a totally different experience. And through and through from the kids, because the kids also, at one point, by the way, just during the clinical trials and some of our conversations with the FDA, there was a conversation that was like, oh, we should fly all the kids to a central location to get them evaluated during the clinical trial. And my reaction to that was like, have you ever had a child with a neurodevelopmental delay on a plane? Like, I'm not doing that to kids. We're going to use sites. And by the way, to know that our device was as accurate as it is, we actually had independent review from two specialist clinicians who did full evaluations on the kid. Those two clinicians had to independently agree, blinded to the output of our device. And if they disagreed, it actually went to a third clinician to serve as a tiebreaker. This is like the most robust, you know, clinical trial design you could have imagined. Um, and then we continue to, by the way, because it's what is responsible AI, we continue to monitor device performance in the real world and by site and location to make sure that there's no what we call algorithmic drift in populations of patients. So, you know, again, like we have this really strong commitment to do AI correctly. You know, I talk about this, Dennis teaches about this at Stanford. I think it's really, really important that you have an intentionality about how you implement technology, whether that's AR or not, but specifically with artificial intelligence. Very powerful. Thank you for that. And then thank you for giving me those real world examples of the impact you're having and the feedback that you're receiving from those end users. At the end of the day, that's what matters most. Let's talk now a little future state. Let's pull that proverbial crystal ball off the shelf. Sharif, you're spot on. There's a lot of buzz now in the marketplace about AI. It has been around for quite some time, and now it's just kind of hitting the mainstream, if you will. Totally fine. But I think you know as well as I do, we still are on the cusp of what this may or may not mean for humanity, for business, for healthcare, or otherwise. Obviously, a lot of change is still happening and happening at a very fast rate. Take us out a few years, Sharif. Take us out a few years for AI and these types of technologies for behavioral health. And then, of course, where is Cognola going to be as well? You know, Cognola is really establishing itself as the standard of care for evaluating neurodevelopmental delays. It's accurate. It's equitable. It's democratized, right? There's a fairness to it. And so it really does establish a real solution to a huge waitlist problem that, by the way, is not getting better. So there, we have these things called Healthy People 2030 Goals. We had 2020 goals and we have now have 2030 goals. So this is, where do we want the health of our nation by 2030? And the autism-specific measures are getting worse. We're failing as a nation. And so the reality is, is that Canvas DX is the solution to get these kids evaluated in a timely, efficient manner. The beauty of this is that we do it not only in that responsible way, but in a way that actually has enormous savings to the healthcare system and unburdens the clinicians, right? You know, you think about like, what is the value proposition of product, right? Is it like, oh, what are you solving for, right? So when I get involved in this and I really look at it, even if I take myself as an outsider, you're hitting all of those quintuple aims, right? It's patient satisfaction, it's equity, it's cost savings, it's all of the things that you need to have, they're all there. And so getting the diagnosis is the first step. 
Again, we've been creating the platform that really sets us into a behavioral health platform, a developmental health platform, where we're able to actually track kids over time. We're able to give back, you know, data. This is all pipeline things that we're working on. Give back data to say, this is working, that's not working. And then we have breakthrough status on a therapy that can take two years of face-to-face, in-person therapy, socialization, condense it into six weeks. And we saw children move out of the dysfunctional scale of how they're socializing. I can socialize with you in a healthy way that's not causing me distress as an individual. And so, you know, these are things that are amazingly powerful. And I can't see us not succeeding because we have the healthcare space adopting rapidly, getting coverage within the payer space. We have an amazing backing from Morningside Ventures, which is our principal investor team. And then we've got an amazing internal team in the company that has been able to do things that honestly, a lot of digital health players have just not been able to get across the finish line. The primary one is actually getting clean medical policy and coverage with a fee schedule. Wow, what a powerful horizon. And you know, as well as I do, these things are moving quite quickly, not again, just for the industry, but it sounds like for the Cognilla team as well. So thank you for sharing that. Proverbial crystal ball back on the shelf. Brave the current state, even though you guys are experiencing a ton of success, you know, as well as I do for any high growth tech startup in the healthcare space, we can always use a helping hand from our friends in the industry. And so we want to turn this over to you and the team for our amazing community rallied around this podcast. What's one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that our community can be helping you with? Yeah. I mean, I think for this space, it's really about market access. We're doing something that's, you know, completely different in the space. And so, you know, any individuals who are part of the insurance community, if you want to improve your patient satisfaction, you know, actually provide equity, really, you know, not do the lip service about equity, but actually do something about it. Do the cost savings. We're always looking for plans that are interested in, in adding us to medical policy. Um, I think like any startup, we're always looking for funds to scale and grow. That's where we're at. So again, we have an amazing a venture back from Morningside, but, you know, always looking for the right investment. Not all money is good money. You want to take money from people that are invested in this mission, understand that we're trying to do something really, really important and understand the potential. You know, I think it's interesting. There's been a lot of newfound interest in pediatric device development, by the way. And I think this is interesting because if you think about femtech, you know, 10 years ago, people were like, oh, femtech, that's so niche. I'm not going to invest in it. And it's like, that's half your population. What are you talking about? You know? And I think people are starting to understand, although pediatrics is 27% of the population, it is 100% of our future. And it is, if you can engage them at this early age, you are part of them for life. And by the way, and their families when they become adults. So investment in pediatric device development, I think, has really started to turn the corner, which is cool. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. Absolutely. So for those folks that are rallied around the podcast and want to be able to touch base and talk about all this and more. How do they get a hold of you, Sharif? How do the you know, websites, uh, social media handles, or otherwise, how do they get, get a hold of you online? So Cognola.com, we're all over social media. Just look for C-O-G-N-O-A. You can catch me on LinkedIn or any of the platforms, X, you name it. It's Dr. Taraman, D-R-T-A-R-A-M-A-N. And look forward to connecting and doing good work together. We're always also looking for business development deals. So, you know, if you're big tech company or a healthcare system and you want to help co-develop some cool stuff, we've got some amazing players on our team that can help create stuff in the neurodevelopmental behavioral health space. 
Excellent. Thank you for that, uh, Sharif. We'll make sure to list all of those contact points in the episode notes. So head on down to your favorite podcast player to connect with Sharif and the team. You know, we're a free global online community as well over at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Sharif's episode where you can also leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise, and get a hold of those contact points for Sharif and the team. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Sharif, we're almost done. I feel this conversation could be going on for quite some time, an exciting one, a needed one, and amazing work happening with your team's camp. But before we sign off, I have one more piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because I'm always going to fight to do what's right for patients. Absolutely love it. Thank you for bringing it all together. And of course, as we said on the front end as well, keep those sales wide open. There is an amazing time right now in healthcare to move the health of our communities and our country forward. We just have to be receptive to it. And Sharif, you are absolutely personifying exactly that. So thank you so much, my friend, for joining up today, taking a pit stop on our podcast and sharing everything happening in the Cogno account. Again, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.